Amen. We're going to continue in our Numanity series on Living Life on Purpose, part two. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather with the saints and to zoom lens on your heart, to zoom lens on your mind, to zoom lens on how you actually coordinate our lives. And God, I'm praying today that you would just shepherd us, shepherd us in some hard things, shepherd us in showing us that dealing with the hard things actually is a good thing. And Lord God, I, I pray that those of us who don't have direction and commitment that you would deepen it, refresh us in Christ, throw your weight around in our lives and souls, and then show us how you providentially work and fuel to do all things in our life according to your honor and glory and praise. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Uh, how many of y'all remember the days before GPS? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I mean, the days before GPS was just a different season. I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I, I'm like, how do we make it, you know? But we made it, didn't we? You know, and uh, we, but, but, but I, don't, I, I remember I was leaving Washington, D.C., um, going, uh, going I, I just graduated from Bowie State, was heading to Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, uh, where my wife was following me, following all up on her brother, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> following me south, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's all right, boo, you know what I'm saying? I know you love him, you know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but um, it's, it's, it's so, so I remember going down there, man, and man, I didn't know America was like it is. Cause I had a map on the, the whole dashboard. You know what I'm saying? And what you would do is you would take your pencil and mark a circle where you are, little dot, then you're trying to go around and say, ah, and then go there. Uh, uh, um, um, but but what's, inter but what's interesting about that thing is the map doesn't show you everything. You know what I'm saying? The, the, map, the map does not show you all that's in, it, it only shows you points of contact. It doesn't show you the obstacles, the detours, the potholes, and all of the different things that's between the place you plotted and the place you're going to go. And I wish I had some else. See, listen, God, if God showed you a video of everything you would go through to get from point A to point B, you probably wouldn't go. God is so gracious that he doesn't let your, he doesn't chart the whole thing for you. He said, this is where you're going. You'd be like, yes. But then he only give you this much information because he's a good steward of our anxiety. <laughs> right? Because he, he said, I'm going to just show you that. Now, because God, 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 God is a good directive of our lives. But it's interesting that, that, that now we, we, you know, we got the GPS, we got Siri, so I can pull Siri out. You know what I'm saying? I just push my little button on my iPhone, hold it. She said, Eric, what do you need? I said, hey, sir, how you doing, girl? Now, you know I'm married, right? All right. <laughs> Your voice a little too soft, Siri. Um, you know. So I say, you know, you know. Um, I, say, I, say, I say, I need to get, I, this is what I need to do. I need to get down to this shop down here off Market Street. Get me there. She said, charting right away. And she charts that thing. And then she lists that thing and lay that thing out. In other words, Siri is at my beck and call. When I tell Siri where I want to be, she charts where I want to be. Uh, um, um, but it's interesting that God doesn't work like Siri. Right. 
you don't get to tell God where you want to go and get directions to get there. He tells you where you're going to go. He charts the directions, but only give you segments of it. And see, as we're talking about living life on purpose, many of us want to, we must recognize that in order for your life to have anchored purpose, it must be anchored in the truth of who God is. And and it must be motivated and developed and maintained by that mindset and philosophy of life. So we come back to Proverbs, Proverbs 16. And we're in here, and, and, and the sage is communicating. A sage is a person that's been through some stuff, that understands God's biblical information. But now the sage has grown wise and has gathered and applied some things uh, to their life and is now sharing information based on having been some places where you do want to go and having had been some places where you don't want to go. And so the sage is beginning to talk about what life looks like when you plan in concert with the sovereignty of God. Uh, and so, and so, so, so we talked about last time, we talked about the fact, which was our, which was our first point in our first message, that if you're going to live life on purpose, God expects man to engage him with, on purpose, that man is to engage him on purpose. But number two today, we got to number two, we only got through number one last time. We're going to finish this one. Uh, um, um, but but, but, but this, this is our next point. If you're going to live life on purpose, men especially, um, God measures whether or not we are married to his purposes. God measures whether or not we are married to his purposes. Somebody say his purposes. Verse 2, it says, all of the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. Stop right there. Now, remember that ways wasn't just the road that you were on, but it was your behavior on the road. And, 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 so, and so, so it can point to a road, but the road is really made up of the disposition of whether the person is walking in righteousness or unrighteousness. Are you with me? See, 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 the road is what righteousness directs you towards, or if you're walking or you're saturated with unrighteousness, you're going to go towards that road. Now, you got to understand the broader hermeneutic of Scripture as it relates to the philosophy of road. Road is something interesting because Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to death, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Now, most of us mistake the broadness of the road as a better road because it looks like a whole bunch of different options that you have. But it's really one big road buffet of mess. Let me see if I can make it plain. When I'm driving 95 or or, or across the bridge and I go through the toll, there's going to be multiple uh, there's going to be multiple toll booths. There'll be one to say easy pass, one to say easy pass and cash, one to say just cash, all right? And so you can go through any one of those. Now, as you go through them, you can look at the other person and say, I'm getting ahead of you. You can look at the other person. But, but if you look at it, it's really one gate with a whole bunch of different mini gates to go through. See, that's how the world's philosophy is as it relates to the Broadway. The Broadway is really one big door, and it makes it look like you got a whole bunch of different options. And so when you look at God's way of thinking and God's way of doing things, the narrow way looks frustrating because it doesn't look as spectacular. And so, and so, and so that's why there's a way that seems right to man, but at the end it leads to death. So all the ways are pure in our own eyes. Check this out. So, 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 so what's interesting, 
What's interesting is if you leave us up to us, we think that we're cool. Okay, what do I mean by that? See, 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 when we talk about all of the ways are pure in our own eyes, that means we're the only ones basically letting us know where we are. Because if you let you tell it based on your plans, everything's booming. And so when we are the only ones judging ourselves, then we, everything's okay because we think we have the ability to develop and understand the anatomy of our motives. But you are absolutely unadulteratedly impossible. It is a theological and spiritual, uh, it, it is impossible for you to know what's behind the reasoning behind why your heart wants to do that in particular. Let me see if I can make it plain. No, no, I'm not going to do that yet. I'm not going to do it yet. We're going to move a little more. He says, all of the ways are pure in a man's eyes. Un- a pure, against means in the Hebrew, undiluted, undiluted or unmixed actions. In other words, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my plans. But, but, but the text says, but the Lord weighs his spirit. Stop right there. This is good right here. Because, because, because what the, the, the Hebrew word for spirit here means motives, uh, passions, uh, 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 desires, mindsets. And so this is what God does. God, God, God is always about his glory. Listen, no, you can land anywhere. Listen, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the chief end. When you go to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, it said God did this to the praise and the glory of his grace, right? Everything has to do, what, what does it mean, God? That means he gets the credit as the primary beneficiary of what happens in our life. That's what it means for God to be glorified. God being glorified means that people see God more than he sees us. God being glorified means in the process, he's never forgotten, and when we get exalted, he's never forgotten because he's, like we saying earlier, the Alpha and the Omega. Now, what God does is he has an eternal scale. And what he does is he puts his glory on one side. Now, he doesn't put the full weight of his glory on one side of the scale because if he puts the full extent of the expanse of his unending directional glory on the side of the scale and you put something else on the other side of it, it's always going to weigh, outweigh anything. Nothing can tip the scales of God's glory. Now, now, but on the other hand, though, in God weighing our motives or our spirit, when we make a plan, what he does, he says, I hear what you're saying. That's good Bible. You got good evangelical, fundamentalist, theological prepositions for every single thing that you're saying. You're saying all the right things. You got the right verses beside it. You got the right chill down your spine beside it. You got the right hallelujah. You got all of, you got all of the Christian ease lined up, but give me your heart. And what he does is he says, I am going to peel apart your heart, and I'm going to pull the area of your life, because I can't put your whole heart on it. That's a whole other story. But I'm going to just take this part where your motive is about this thing that you told me you wanted to do and me get glorified in it. And what he does, he puts it on the other side of it, and he takes the aspect of what it looks like for him to be glorified based on what your mouth said, based on where your heart should be, and puts it on this side and see if the weights balance out. In other words, you can say what you want, you can say what you want to do, but until you get in the mix, you don't know your motives. Let's see if I can get some help. So I remember back in, I, you know, I, I changed my major in college three times before I got into my major classes. You know, so I wanted to be a marketing major because I wanted to be Little Diddy. I wanted to be Little Diddy at the time. 
You know, y'all, 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 I'm serious. I wanted to be marketing and do. I, want, I was going to market and do my thing. You know, 1991, I went in. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be. Then, man, I got up in them accounting classes. <laughs> and, uh, man, I said, no, what this got to do with me putting... For, I mean, like, I'm like in the process, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't, wouldn't, like what this got to do with it? Oh, Mr. Mason, you're going to need this because you're going to have to be able to. I'm like, God, dog it. You know what I'm saying? So I changed my mate into something else. And I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm liking this, the gold of that. That's going to be fly. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have that. Wait till the, I'm going to the car dealership. All right. I, was, I had all these plans. Got in the class. Another class. I was like, God, dog it. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, I, 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 can't, I can't persevere through this. Because I have in my mind what it's supposed to be, but every time I get in a class, it seems to be an obstacle to the picture of what I want. Listen, when God weighs your motive, he uses process to weed you out. <laughs> He'll use process. You say you, I, I, you know, I go anywhere with you, girl. Go anywhere with you, girl. You hear me? And let, let some process weed a Negro out. Y'all getting real quiet on me. See, 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 oh my God. See, 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 and Negroettes too, as well. Negroes and Negroettes, both. With opportunity, both opportunities on that side. But, 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 but there are things in your life that God allows, and that's what's beautiful about the richness of being in the faith, is God loves you enough to show you where you are. That's what the gospel does. That's, 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 that's the gospel. I like the way Calvin says it in the beginning of his institutes. He says, he says to, to, to know God is to know yourself. That's so rich to me. Because, see, many of us, listen, listen, many of us want to know God, but it's impossible to know God until you know yourself. Because you can't get saved until you admit how messed up self is. Oh, oh, you don't believe me. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and uh, what? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, right? But what do you do before that? You got to confess your sins. You got to recognize that you're sinful. Because until you recognize where you are, you can't realize where he is. Why? Because he's holy and we're not. And when you see the gap between you and him, you say, I know me, but now I'm getting to know him. And therefore, what brings that together is the gospel and makes me clear on things. And then you don't assume purity in your life. See, many of us assume we are all right. Some of y'all ain't real. Y'all too pristine. Your shirt nicely pressed, hair nicely cut, weave nicely weaved. And by appearance, you smoking with yours. But, but, but we need to recognize, you need, you need to assume, you need to say, God, as I'm planning this, I know I got issues. And God, as I plan this, I got all kinds of ill motive. Listen, your best attempt of holiness on your best day where you spent time with God, you spent time in the Word, you went to the gym, and you ate, uh, you ate a, a scrambler and st- without the yolk. You know, you did, you know what I'm saying? You did some Greek yogurt and all of that, and, and, and you, you know, everything's all right. And, but you guess what? On that day, you were as worse as filthy rags on your best day. So you got to assume, I know that God has redeemed me, but the residue of fallenness still wants to creep its way in. So what I need to do in assuming that I'm a mess is assume that he's the best. And God, I am going to bring everything about me before you because I ain't pure. And I need the extraction of Christ-centered philosophical constructs of his blood 
and the anatomy of the nucleus of his glory to saturate my soul, to challenge my impurities, to, 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 to weed out my motives. I need God to throw tear gas into my soul. Say, clear, booze, throw some tear gas in. Come on, now come on like this. You know what I'm saying? That, that, that's, that's what we need. You, you need to recognize. You say, God, you ain't got to. See, you need to get to the point where you say, God, you ain't got to throw the tear gas. Just come in. Just come on in. Just come on. I don't know. Just, just whatever. You know? God, I don't know where nothing is. I need help comprehensively. You better learn how to do it. You need to learn how to call for help. As soon as you can, you need to say, God, I know that. See, see, many of us, I'm, I'm, you, see, you keep saying you're okay, and you're not. I ain't either. Yesterday, God said, get over yourself, E. I said, what? You see, I told, get over yourself. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. Listen to your wife when she share her heart with you. i like, God, dog it. And I didn't like it. I don't like for nobody to talk to me crazy. But again, you know what? When God talks to you crazy, that's the best place to be in. And he'll open up your heart to things you didn't see. That's why you can't allow purity to be only in your perspective. You, you, you got to have the goodness of God carrying you through. Every, oh, I got to stop. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. He weighs and examines our spirits. He weighs and examines. Uh, next point. I got to move to the next point. Next point, if you're going to live life on purpose, God's purpose in our life is accomplished by faith. <laughs> I love that. It's so simple, but it's so true. Listen, commit your works to the Lord and your plans shall be established. <clears throat> now, now, the word for commit here is an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it, it can be translated trust. It's translated over in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, that trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or unbend them or make them straight. So the word means to trust, <clears throat> but, but there's a there's literal term to it. There, there, there's just some good old old school uh, wood floors dripping ceiling theology, all right? It, it, it means to roll. It mean, it mean, it, the, the, the Hebrew word literally means to roll something someplace away from you to somebody else who can deal with it better than you can. Oh, my God. See, many of us think that the principle of faith started in the New Testament. But faith has always been a requirement for your relationship with God. Listen, 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 listen. The gospel didn't start in the New Testament. It started in the Old Testament. And so the way you get saved is first, the gospel's right here in the text, recognizing that you're not pure, but approaching him by faith. Wow. How do you get saved? Recognizing that you're not pure, approaching him by faith. Crazy, right? So you come to him by faith, but this is what the issue is. You don't do what the people on TV say when they show this big hard story, this person got through and did with all this difficult stuff, then they say how they got through it. I got, how did you get, I mean, how did you, the interview said, I mean, how did you get, I mean, that was a lot, I mean, you know, how did you get through that? I just, I need some, I need some counsel on that. And they say, my faith got me through. Now, for most people, we would think, that's dope. No, it's not. Your faith doesn't get you through anything. Listen to me. Because some of y'all like, that's bad. No, no, your faith. Listen, if you, you don't step out on faith, because your faith isn't the object of your faith. In other words, 
you don't st- if you step out on your belief, then you're going to fall because you're having faith in yourself. And we know where that has led you thus far. Help me, God. But the object of your faith is Christ. And you don't step out on faith. You step out on him. Why? Because he's a sure and stable rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so, and so, 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 so on the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen, you don't step out on you. You don't step out on belief. You don't step out on faith. Listen, you got to recognize that at the end of the day, you can have all the contacts you want. You can have all the friends you want. You can have all the grind you want. You can do all the branding. I'm a brand and I'm about to get my brand up. You can have all you want to. Everybody, if one more person telling me they're branding something, I am going to throw 14 TVs and juggle them by the Jersey Shore. And let me tell you something. I, I'm just letting you know. Listen, there's no way, shape, or form anything in your life happens apart from stepping out on him. And listen, you can have the best of everything and not have him and be in the worst of conditions. Every opportunity ain't a God opportunity. And if you can't walk with a biblical conscience of faith in that direction and have a clear conscience, God isn't in it. He said, commit your works to the Lord. Roll them to them. Take the ideas of taking your burdens to the Lord. And what the old church said, and leave them there. <laughs> That, that's what the text is saying. They were, they were, they has, see, y'all think the old church didn't have no theology. It is, that ain't a cliche. That's a biblical principle extracted from the Bible. Take your burden. They didn't know the Hebrew, but the whole, they knew the Holy Ghost. Um, help me, God. Anyway, help me, God. All right, let me, let, me, let me keep moving before I run out this building. All right, commit your works to the Lord. Listen, and then he says, and your plans shall be established. Now, plans here, remember from last time, we said that plans are orderly arrangements of things that we want to do for God. <laughs> okay, okay, so, so but you, you, you can't have an orderly arrangement and not have a commitment to Jesus. Because orderly arrangements, as organized as you can do it, without faith in Christ is to be disorganized. We'll get that later. But it's important that we recognize that our plans won't be established. What, is, what does established mean? Established means to uh, have something formed and developed to be properly sustained, authenticated, something uh, 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 being legitimate, having durability, and lasting long. That's beautiful. When God establishes you, nothing can stop you. Oh, my God. When God establishes you, nothing can stop you. Listen, 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 listen. When God does something, when, God, when you know you went out on him, all things are possible. One time, uh, Jehoshaphat was going to go to war with, 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 a, with, with a dude, and he said, man, you know what I'm saying, um, I, I know we're going to go to war and everything, but um, um, and, and some prophets were out there talking, God is going to give you victory, amen. He's going to bless you and take you into a new season of life and ministry. Wealth is coming, wealth is coming. And he was prophesying, and Jehoshaphat was sitting on his throne like, man, is there a real prophet of God anywhere around here, man? <laughs> That's what the book said. And then he said, and then the old buddy said, yeah, there's this one dude. 
But every time he prophesies, <laughs> he always prophesies what I don't want to hear. He said, go get him. And they brought Micaiah in. And Micaiah, they said, prophesy, tell us whether we win this war or not. And, and, and Money said, oh, hail the king. Go out in the battle, for the Lord is with you. He said, Micaiah was being facetious because he was basically saying, you don't really want to hear what I want to say. And then he said, he said, he said and then he finally told them what was going to happen. Why? Because he was, because, because this guy needed to have somebody tell him the truth about his life versus just telling him what he wants to hear. Listen, in your life, I wish I had time to just talk about that. You need holy prophetic voices in your life. I, I don't have enough time. Why? Because when, when they happen in your life, when those people speak in your life, guess what? It'll last longer. Whatever God does lasts forever and ever and ever. Why do I say that? Why do I say that? Because one day when Christ comes back, the heavens and earth are going to burn with intense heat. That means everything in the universe is going to go up in flames. Second Peter chapter three. Now, first Corinthians chapter three says that only the works that are based on the gospel and done in the power of God and for God will remain. So therefore, the works that you do here on earth must be able to withstand the intense heat of God's presence of wrath burning everything up that's not like him. Why? Because he told Jesus in Psalm 110.1, he said, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool to thy feet. What did he mean by that? When we set everything up to where my glory is revealed to all creation. Listen, you got to ask yourself, does my plan withstand the fire of God? Will this, will this last long? Will it endure? Listen, because God's going to give you a new body. And when he gives you a new body, guess what he's going to do? When the heat comes, it won't burn you. Why? Because he built you through Christ's death to last forever. God is about eternal investment, not temporal investment. The gospel points us to the reality of the fact that, the, that, that God is about eternal investment. Oh, I wish I had time. But that's why when you get established God's way, when people try to sabotage it, it doesn't work. See, it, it bless the day when you don't have to go into your email, your Twitter, and your Facebook and fix anything that anybody has said. Because what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to rest in him. Because when you know that the battle belongs to him, and that what he's developing through you is, 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 is sure based on his will. You can say, ain't you going to do something? Ain't you going to say, you just sit back and you say, nah. Why you ain't going to, why you ain't going to, nope. Because listen, when God deals with something, he silences it. When you deal with it, it creates more chatter. See, some of y'all are trying to put an oil fire out with water. <laughs> All it does is spread it. But let me tell you something. When God deals with it, he smothers the flames. Oh, I wish I had time. Uh, then he says in verse 4, he says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked, for the day of trouble. This is dope. Means that God has already, this is powerful, this speaks of the sovereignty of God. 
Because now we're saying everything that God has created, he created with a purpose, with, with a purpose, with, with, a, with a statement of purpose. That means everything in your life is there for a reason. The, that's the, the Lord has created everything for its purpose. That means that God has assigned to your life particular things that he wants you to do. So listen, this is, so, so, so it's like God's laughing now. Because when you make plans that work, it really wasn't plans that you made. Listen, it looked like you made them because you prayed, you got in the word, and you sat down and you laid out plans. But providentially, under the hand of God, it's really God dealing with your soul and doing the plans that he had already did for you before the foundation of the earth. Y'all think I'm joking. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created beforehand in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. What's that? God, before he created planet earth, created a, a strategic plan for time, if you will. That's why Christ was slain, not in time, but before time and in time. That's why the Bible says he was slain before the, plan, the foundations of the earth, because he had planned to redeem his people before the foundation of earth. But not only did he plan the death of Jesus, he planned for every, in our lives, based on the death of Jesus, specific things that would glorify him and that we would come in contact with by coming to Christ, submitting to him, being under his glory, and laying out what he had already said. So whatever was working in your life biblically is because God had already decreed it in, in eternity. So the plans you're living out is really stuff God already wanted to do. He just allowed you to be a part of the process so y'all can be good friends. Amen. See, he didn't, he didn't want to just give you a plan without a relationship. God ain't in the business deals. He's about fellowship. Yeah, yeah. He, he's about near. So he said, I can just give them the plan and let them walk in it. He said, but no, I want them to grope for me. I want them to want to be with me. I want them to feel like stuff ain't going to happen and them reach after me harder. Because in the process of me giving them the plan, guess what? And stuff's going to go wrong. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to be challenged. But when I bring stuff to pass, they're going to know it's from me and they're going to worship me. And we're going to be, have a close relationship. That's why the Bible says that God saved us by the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. The word for true knowledge is the Greek word epigonosko. Now, gnosko by itself just means knowledge, but epi with it means knowledge that comes from a relationship. I wish I had help right there. See, see, see there's some knowledge that God won't give you without a relationship. <laughs> I got to move. I got to move. Help me, Holy Spirit. And so everything has its own purpose ends. And, and some of it's going to be weird. When Joseph met his brothers at the end, he finally revealed himself. They was, they was feeling bad, and they was like, he's going to kill us right now. He's, he's vice regent of Egypt. He's going to kill us. And Joseph said, brothers, do not worry yourselves. Because what you meant for evil. God meant for good. See, that's when you know you've grown. When you got the power to destroy and assassinate somebody, but you recognize that the plan of God was going on in your life and something bigger was happening, and you said, you hurt me. That did hurt. But God used the way you hurt me to be your good. 
Look at Jesus Christ. Left his heavenly throne. Came to planet earth. Lived a life we can never live. Died the death we can never die. Now you would think that that would be the dumbest plan on the planet. For God to come to earth and die. But then he didn't know, they, people didn't know about the third day. He got up from the grave. In other words, with man meant for evil, God used it for good. And that's what I like about eternal plans of God is that God can turn seemingly challenging plans into eternal victories for his glory and for our good. I'm done. But just a few practical points to just give you some things to walk away with. Verse 9 says, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps or orders his steps. He's just restating verse 1 all over again. And that means that God is the eternal planner. And so how do you measure whether or not you are serious about something? So some of y'all say, I got this plan. I want to do this. And you telling me, you bring me a plan. I, I'm cool. This is how you know if you're serious about anything in your life. Eight things I'm going to give you. If, you if, if these eight things exist in your life, you're serious about it. If they don't exist, you're not. Number one, you committed it to regular prayer. Anything in your life that's not on your prayer rotation, you're not serious about. Anything in your life you don't pray about, if you, don't pray, if you just can go do it, you ain't serious about it. Or, or, you're, or you're not believing that God is the way to help it to come to pass. Number two, God has given you biblical and circumstantial clarity that it is his will. Biblical and circumstantial clarity that it is his will. Biblical clarity meaning the Bible doesn't speak about every issue specifically, but it speaks in principle about every issue specifically. Did you get that? That means the Bible covers everything even though it doesn't explicitly talk about it. So that means you got it in your Bible, but also you look at circumstances. See, David said in, in, in early Psalms, he said, I, in the morning I send forth my prayer and wait expectantly. In, 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 in other words, I, pr I pray and I know this is your will in the word. Therefore, I'm looking for circumstances that reflect what you biblically convicted me is going to happen. That means that you're having biblical expectation and looking for circumstantial clarity. Listen, if God says no to something, you should say no to. So many of us need to stop trying to kick down doors that God has closed. Help me, Holy Ghost, today. Listen, but when God opens up a door, you need to run through it. Run through it. Listen, because let me say this. This is for free. Some opportunities have an expiration date. There's some stuff where God will give you a window. And after that window is gone, that opportunity is gone. You need to, oh my God, I, I wish I had time. Let me, let me move. Number three, it transcends personal benefit. See, if what you're praying to God about planning and all of that, has only the it's only for you. It's not as well, and you're not serious about it. Or you have a limited view of it. That means it transcends you being blessed. It blesses others. Number four, you've studied it. I'm not just talking about biblical study. I'm talking about you've done general revelation study as well as special revelation. General revelation is using the environment that God created to understand how he created it. Special revelation gives you clarity that you should be studying it. Did you get that? Special revelation focuses you. General revelation helps you to just get the knack of it. 
Like if somebody tell me they want to be, they, 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 they want to be a doctor and they just want to, but I'm just, you know, I'm just going, you know, I'm just going to give me some utensils, man. I just believe God told me to be a doctor. Man, I'm just going, I'm, I'm going around the block, man. We, I got a garage, man. Back in the back, man. We just going to go ahead and get with it. I'm, I'm going to get, I mean, I, I know, it, it, the, I don't know how to say, what's Santa, Santa what? What's Santa? Santa, Santa? No, sanitize. sanitize. Oh, man, once we wash it in the sink over here. You know what I'm saying? And we good. You know what I'm saying? But in other words, in other words, you don't know your craft. You say God called you to be something, but you don't do the proper general revelation things that it takes to do it well. And you being Christian doesn't make it done well. I was about to speak in tongues right there. I'm tired, of, I'm tired of Christians slapping a Christian label on something, acting like just because it's Christian, it has character and content. I could do a sermon on just that. Uh, but, um, but, but I'm just trying to let you know that you saying you're a Christian doesn't make it different. Because based on the general revelation that unbelievers have access to, some of them had done a better job at being stewards than we have. Ah, I wish I had time. Number five. I know y'all ready for me to stop, but number five. You've counted the cost of pursuing it. Got to count the cost. You say you want to be married. <laughs> so you think about honeymoon, pina coladas by the water and all of that. Hot oils and everything. Let me tell you something. Marriage is bigger than the honeymoon. Yeah. Oh! I, I, if, I had a, if I had something to put my foot on and I had somebody on the organ, I'd poop right there. Listen, marriage is a blessing, but it needs to be counted. Y'all need to count the cost. Oh, count it. Jesus says no man goes to war without counting the cost of whether or not they can win or lose. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Number six, this is real simple. You've, writ you've written it down. If you ain't wrote it down, you ain't serious. People tell me, I got a dream, I got a dream. All right, Dr. Martin Luther King said that. What does it look like? He laid out what the dream looked like. Black folk, white folk, Jews and Gentiles. He laid that thing out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He laid that thing out, right? Yo, I'm serious. They, they went there. We shall over. It was a plan. Right? They counted the cost because they, that's why they, when they, they counted the cost because when they got spat on and rocks thrown at them, because they knew that they were going to go into difficult territory, but the vision was so bigger than them that they could stand the weight of the difficulty because of the fruit that it would bear. Listen, you better learn how to count the cost, but you can't count the cost by, you see, if you look at life only, you'll never go anywhere. I'm trying to end it. You, listen, if you look at life alone, you'll never do anything. But if you look at the Lord, all things are possible through him that believe. Listen, listen, but you don't ignore life. I'm up in the clouds. God is good. Hallelujah. And then you get down on earth and don't know what to do. It's both and not either or. Okay. <clears throat> but you need to count the cost. You've written it down. Number seven, you are willing to make significant sacrifices to see it come to pass. See, many of us, we, see, we, 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 we got entitlement. We want stuff to come free. We want all of the benefits without the griminess. 
But the significant, it takes sacrifice. That's why, that is why without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Because it takes sacrifice to save wretches like me. That principle goes into every area of your life. Sacrifice. If you want to see change in a city, you got to make sacrifices. If you want changes in your marriage, stop looking at your spouse. You got to make sacrifices. If you want to see change in your children's lives, you got to make sacrifices. If you want change in your finances, you got to make sacrifices. If you want to get out of debt, you got to make sacrifices. Whatever you want to do this big than you, you have to make a sacrifice. Listen. Oh, God. Number eight. You have submitted it to godly counsel. You can't ask people below your spiritual prey grade. You can't. Listen, what they going to tell you? What they gonna t- what they what they gonna tell you? Well, I'm trying to be humble because I can learn from people. No, that's not what I'm talking about. You need some godly people with some sense, with some eternal sense that ain't help me, God. That ain't that ain't got a track record of stupidity. I'm being real, y'all. And to, to, to give you some godly counsel, some of y'all ask people that you're like, why are you asking Shorty? You know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I just, you know, if I was you, man, I just, you know, I just, I, I just get at it. <laughs> I will slap you into two neighborhoods over. Listen, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you can't, listen, you have to, you have to, you have, listen, you got to go to people that don't tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> I'm trying to close it. I'm done. I'm just trying to tell you, you got to have some truth sayers, not no soothsayers in your life. <laughs> you, be- hey, you better have some people that say, you, you, you know what? You stink. You need to tell some people, no, nah, that's not a good plan. I've been there. You don't want to do this. Well, I'm just saying, see, most of us want confirmation right, right. for our devastation. But you need some people to say, I don't, the way you talk to your wife, you talk to your wife a little crazy. You, you snappy with her. I don't, I don't like the way you talk about her in public. I don't like that. I mean, why are you always looking at chicks like that? Your head always turns when the booty goes past. You need somebody like that. You, you need a man all the time. I've never seen you outside of a relationship, ever. You need some, you, listen, them people will wound the daylights out of you. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I'm trying to close the sermon, y'all. But some of us have isolated ourselves from spheres of truth. <laughs> Help me, Holy Ghost. Many of us, we, I, I'm trying to close. Listen, some of y'all have isolated yourselves from places that are the greatest part. That's why some of y'all only come to Sunday morning service. Because you can get a word. You can have something said to you, then you can utilize the part of it that you want to do, but nobody has to ask you comprehensively about you. You better let the Holy Ghost have his way in your life. 
and it happens in the context of community. Men, we are famous for isolating ourselves. Famous for it. Especially as you get older, you get more skilled at being a sophisticated hermit. I want to see men leading. And the wife, uh, uh, listen, the wife, listen, as you guys get married, and those of you who are already married, your wife should not be the spiritual leader in the household. Amen. I'm not off point, because what happens is, is when we isolate ourselves and she's the spiritual leader and we're not around anybody that can tell us anything, we put ourselves in trouble. I'm done. But I just want, I want to see us become just an honest place where God processes us through the power of the gospel to grow and glorify him more. That's it. I'm done. Father, we need you. And um, I'm just praying that uh, we would become um, less sophisticated and dignified in our ignorance. But God, that we would honestly face the challenge of where we are. And I'm asking you, Spirit of God, I'm starting with me. I'm talking about me. I ain't just talking about somebody else. I'm talking about my stuff, my issues. I need you. Lord, we need you. And so as we take communion, brothers, come. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that you have loaded us with a phenomenal arsenal through Jesus Christ. A phenomenal arsenal of things that you have put in place through your eternal strategic plan to be glorified through your people. Help us to use your means of grace that you have made available so that we cannot fight to have victory, but fight from the fact that we already got it. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love to focus us. In Jesus' name, amen.